a listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Join us each week as we break down one issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now and what's likely to happen in the future. Our host, Dr Keith Souter, is one of Australia's leading commentators on global affairs and geopolitics. My name is Sasha Tannock. I'm a journalist. And Keith, today we're looking at London's River Thames being brought back to life. Now, Keith, the Thames was once declared biologically dead. Now we're hearing that it's home to seahorses, seals, and even three species of sharks. What's going on? <laughs> it is an incredible story. And I'm, I'm well aware that in this series we deal with so much bad news. And I sound like an older version of Greta Thunberg. But occasionally you do get some really good news stories. And this strikes me, as a, particularly as a Londoner, this is such an inspiring story. So... This is from the goodnewsnetwork.org. And as you say, the Thames was once declared biologically dead. And now we've got a return of life back into the Thames. So there is um, a report from the Zoological Society of London, which is looking at, at how much progress has been made, really in reducing the amount of pollution and sewage which flowed into the River Thames. Now, by way of background, um, in the 19th century, the Thames was the, the obviously, that well, still is, the river flowing through London when London was the imperial capital. So people on, on the side of the Thames in Westminster uh, were running a quarter of the globe. So a very important city in those days, very large city. And, of course, Britain was the first into the Industrial Revolution. And so beginning, of, say, around 1750. So we find that the Thames became more and more polluted as the factories were uh, created alongside the Thames. Traditionally, cities are built on rivers and coastline because um, ships are a major form of transportation. Even today, 80 to 90% of cargo goes by sea. Even with all the development of aircraft, it, the, the sea is still the major way of moving cargo from one country to another. So the Thames became an important waterway. So along that waterway, you'd have a number of factories that have been developed um, because they were just made it so easy to be able to ship stuff around the world or import stuff in from around the world. And so the Thames became an important centre of industrial activity and became dirtier and dirtier. If you read any of Charles Dickens's novels, most of them are based around the Thames and you get a feel for the dirtiness in that era. And in fact, uh, during the summer one year, the pollution in the Thames was so bad, they actually had to put planks across the river because the smell was getting into the Houses of Parliament and making the parliamentarians sick. So Horrific. <laughs> what a thought. <laughs> the Victorians then um, embarked upon one of the modern engineering marvels of, in those days of the world, this giant sewerage system. But the problem is that the sewage system was good for its heyday, beginning just what about 120, 130 years ago. But the problem, of course, is that London continued to grow in its population. So the sewage system just became overwhelmed with catering for all those number of people. And um, then the Thames then started to die off. And as you said, it was biologically dead, which meant that the, the river still flowed 
but it meant that there was very little by way of life in the water. So what we've got here is a study about how they managed to clean up the Thames. It's a really good news story. When I mentioned to other people uh, what I was going to be covering for this week's podcast, they all said, well, they hadn't come across this good news. And the reason is, of course, that when it comes to so much of news, all we get is actually the bad news, not the good news. And so a story like this of seals now be seen on the banks of the Thames, that's a good news story. And it's contrary to the dominant narrative that we have that the environment is is dying off and, you know, we're all in a, a real mess. I think so many people talk about the colour of the water. Yep. It's always talked about as that brown colour. But as one of the scientists here mentions that don't be fooled by the colour of the water because it may still actually look brown, but as we're hearing, it's now full of life. It's really progressed over the last few decades. Yeah, so I think if you go to Oxford and look at the river there, it is nice, clear water. Uh, but yes, as it as it flows down, it picks up a lot of mud. It's not necessarily that toxic, um, but you're right. It, it does look brown at, at some times, um, which is often what happens when you get a lot of rain going into any river. It takes a lot of mud down with it. Yeah, so, yeah, it may not look terribly attractive, but it, it's no longer as dangerous as it no. used to be. And you mentioned the waterways seal population. Why is that so significant when it comes to measuring the progress of the waterway? Because they're at the top of the food chain and you get a feel for what's underneath if you've got people at the top of the food or animals at the top of the food chain. And so that shows that um, there's plenty for them to eat. So it's not just little tiddlers floating around in the Thames. You've now got substantial amount of fish and then on top of that you've got their predators as well. So, as I say, all the, these are indications about the quality of the water. So you're not just measuring what's in the water by way of the, the quality of the water, but you're looking at how it is transforming the availability of the water as a way for animals to live and or fish to, to catch one another or seals to catch or, or even now sharks, sharks swimming along the bottom of the Thames. Who'd thought that there were sharks in the Thames? I've certainly learned something today. <laughs> so we've heard about the seals and the sharks, but it's not just swimming things that are flourishing in the Thames. There's some flapping things as well. What's this all about? Well, this is also, again, in that article that um, several areas of the Thames are protected as native and migratory bird sanctuaries. And as a result, the number of wading birds, for example, the avocet, has doubled across a period from 1993 to 2017. So it's not just the the fish that are uh, benefiting, uh, but you're also now getting uh, more birds coming into that area as well. And so it, for me, it's intriguing that it just adds again, I guess, the tourist potential that, that it'll be a great place, um, not only for the fish and looking at the sharks as well, but also you know, the birds, which will be adding to the quality of life for people who live along the Thames. I think also the way in which in Britain we're moving away from the Industrial Revolution and we're moving away from all those old dirty factories along the, the Thames, uh, although a lot of those uh, warehouses are now very elegant apartment buildings uh, with a lovely riverside view, and now we're cleaning up the river for your view. So <laughs> <laughs> from a financial point of view, it, it, it's really... Um, another benefit. And, and of course, you're also going to be getting birds as well coming through as well. So it, it all adds to the quality of life and the enhancement. Remember, this is important because the UK has now left the European Union. 
There are a lot of people saying, should we keep our businesses based here or should we go on to the mainland of Europe? Whereas if you can improve the quality of life around the Thames and as part of a broader issue of cleaning up London, then you make London an attractive place for visitors, but also for the residents who want to remain and the business owners who will stay in England rather than going on to the continent. It's so wonderful to see that ecosystem thrive. And uh, no doubt everyone looking forward to being able to travel to places like London again and really uh, enjoy the ecosystem and looking at a clean Thames. It's, it's Absolutely. wonderful. Yep. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. I'm Sasha Tannick. And Keith, today we are talking about London's River Thames being brought back to life. Now, you talk about the pollution and sewerage that have been so much part of this waterway's history, but there are plans for a new sewer that will further reduce pressure on the waterway and make it continue to be healthy into the future. And that's one of the key factors that really what's changed is that we've got greater controls over what actually can be put into the Thames and how the sewerage can be changed and and diverted. Um, And reading this story reminded me of a project that I was involved in when I was president of the United Nations Association here in New South Wales, that the campaign was under the slogan, a sense of humus. In other words, trying to reinvigorate the soil by not sending the sewerage out to sea, which is what we do in Sydney, but instead sending it inland, getting it processed as a way of enhancing the quality of the soil. As you know, Australia has got the world's oldest soils. Australia is the world's oldest continent. We do not get the renewal of the soil, uh, which you will find elsewhere. Like in the middle of the United States, for example, you've got that lovely, rich, thick uh, soil, which makes it so important for growing a food. Whereas uh, in Australia, because we don't have earthquakes and glaciers moving across the country, we've got a very old soil. Um, And so... The campaign that my colleague uh, Franklin Scarf uh, ran, this is 40 years ago, was to say, let's not just pump all our waste out into the ocean. Let's find ways of recycling it. Now, what I'm pleased to report is that, again, there's been progress in that area as well and that people are now looking much more at recycling what goes on in sewerage and being able to use it for the renewal of soil. So there is some progress being made And the River Thames is perhaps the best example, although China would say, look, we've been doing this since imperial days. But certainly the Thames is a great example about how you can divert sewage, how you can enhance the quality of the river. And it really is a good news story. Now, I realise that we hear so much bad news, you know, on climate change, et cetera. But here we see people who decades ago decided that they would try to clean up the river, which is still a major waterway in Britain, even though London is no longer the imperial city. Um, And so you see how this is now coming to pass. And the Victorian sewerage system, which was for its day one of the marvels of the world, is now being augmented by this new system. So it shows what human intervention can do in terms of protecting the environment Um, And in this case, cleaning up the River Thames and making the Thames a a much cleaner waterway. Such a positive story. So no doubt there are learnings for other countries in the world observing this progress, albeit over decades. And that's the value of it being in somewhere like London, because London has a lot of media outlets and it's a lot of opportunities. The problem is, though, is that good news doesn't sell. 
<laughs> Look at all the media coverage we've had over the failure in Glasgow. And, you know, we've contributed to that. We've done our podcasts <laughs> on, on this. This is why I think it's important that we do also have some good news stories because some progress is being made in protecting the environment. Um, and I think we have a responsibility to um, let people realise that not all the news on the environment is bad and that there are, in fact, some good news stories. So in the case of this British story, they decided that they would have a super sewer uh, that would divert 95% of all the sewerage right away from the River Thames. They made that decision years ago, and that's really what's now coming into pass, and you're seeing the results, a cleaner Thames. And that vision, I guess, though, demonstrates that you need, when you're talking about climate, you need to be able to look decades into the future and realise the action taken now will take time to have results. And that's and that's the key issue, getting politicians to have a long-term vision. Don't forget the engineer Baselgate, I think his name was, who built the original Victorian sewage system, clearly also had that uh, long-term vision. And that's what's missing, I think, so much from today's politics, that we're just so fixated on what's going to happen in the next 24 hours, uh, whereas what we ought to be doing is paying attention to these long-term trends and be thinking long-term in the future, even though the, the politicians may not get too much credit for it. After all, I don't know who started this system to clean up the waterways uh, in the current attempt. Don't know. But they have obviously made a, a great success of it. Mm, absolutely. So it's a wonderful story for the environment, but are there any further implications of this? Obviously, it is a major transport route for London. Are there likely to be financial benefits to this rejuvenation or are we really talking about an environmental story here? That's, that's a good, good question about financial incentives because I think it might help um, once COVID is out of the way or whatever, that London relies very heavily on overseas tourists. So it then becomes a tourist attraction. Come and look at the, the seahorse and the River Thames. So you're right. There are some financial implications here. You actually have a financial incentive to clean up the Thames to make it once it, make it a tourist attraction. Yeah, so you can actually do well by doing good. Well, we're very familiar with shark sightings here in Australia, but who'd have thought that it was possible <laughs> on the Thames on in the London? T- absolutely. <laughs> no, such wonderful story to hear that uh, there are seals and even seahorses in a, in a waterway that once was just decimated by sewage and pollution. So it is great to be discussing some good news for a change. That was this week's episode of Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. Make sure you tune in next week when we'll break down one issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now and what's likely to happen in the future. Listener.